Ta'ahao and welcome to the A Thousand Lives broadcast, the go-to podcast for all things related to Christian missions in China. This is Austin, your host and missionary to China with Vision Baptist Missions and the Vision for China team. For more information about Vision Baptist Missions, the Vision for China team, and how to take the first step on your path to making Jesus famous in China, head on over to visionforchina.org. That's V-I-S-I-O-N-F-O-R-C-H-I-N-A.org. There you'll also find a slew of resources to aid you in both sharing the gospel with Chinese friends, as well as to help you encourage others to give their lives to making Jesus known in China. Well, in last week's episode, we got to hear the amazing story of how the Lord brought the gospel to a Chinese peasant farmer named Chang Ming-san. This man led a difficult life trying to just make ends meet for his family of six and always hoping to find truth and peace in this world. One day, an old friend of his visited him and brought along a missionary to let Chang Ming-san know that he had finally found peace in Jesus. You'll want to listen to last week's episode, Seeking Peace, Finding Jesus, to hear all of the testimonies of peasant farmer Chang Ming-san. As always, never miss an episode of the A Thousand Lives broadcast by going ahead and subscribing on your podcasting platform of choice. We're on Apple, Google, Podbean, Syncify, and so much more. Head on over to visionforchina.org slash podcast. That's V-I-S-I-O-N-F-O-R-C-H-I-N-A dot O-R-G slash P-O-D-C-S-T for a complete directory of where you can listen in to us online. Subscribing will set you up to get a notification each Monday morning as new episodes are published. And remember, if you like what you're hearing, go ahead and leave a review or comment as well. The more interaction the podcast gets on these channels, the more likely the apps are to recommend it to others. Help us get the word out that Jesus needs to be exalted in China. And also, if you're an overachiever and want to go the extra mile, go right ahead and share the broadcast on social media and maybe send a personal email to that person you know who is teaching English in China currently, or maybe that friend considering getting involved in missions. We with Vision for China are asking the Lord to raise up more preachers to go to China with the gospel, and we want to get the word out that there are opportunities to serve the Lord in this great country. Sending someone a quick link to this podcast or maybe sharing with them on social media might just be the first time they've heard that there is actually a way to preach full-time in China. They may have never heard of all the opportunities to make Jesus known through preaching and serving Him there. So go ahead and share with them they'll probably thank you for it. For today's episode, I am excited to be joined by Cannon, a missionary to China, with us here at Vision Baptist Missions and the Vision for China team. And while that's exciting in and of itself, we are actually conducting our interview right in the middle of the Our Generation Camp a missions-themed camp held annually at Sand Mountain Bible Camp and put on by Vision Baptist Church. This interview is being conducted before a live audience of campers, and so we'll actually, towards the end of the interview, let them join in and ask Cannon a few questions of their own. Since we want to give Cannon plenty of time to share his heart for the Lord and for China with us, we are going to forego the China region of the week and jump straight into the interview. All right, well, Cannon, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, how God leads you and your wife to missions and then ultimately to China? So I'm excited about how God's been working in my life. I uh, grew up, uh, my parents took me to church. I read the Bible a lot growing up. My parents were Christians. Uh, but I had a lot of confusion about salvation growing up. Um, but finally, when I was 18 years old, I, I trusted Christ my Savior, put my faith in what Jesus did on the cross uh, to save me, and that 
message of salvation really changed my life. I realized that uh, it was a message I needed to share with other people. And so I started sharing it with my friends, started uh, talking to people I knew about the gospel. It just became something I couldn't keep inside. I had to get it out. And so as I learned more about the Bible and I began thinking about the world, I realized that around the world there's millions of people all over the world uh, but many of them had never heard the gospel and as i was learning about the bible and understanding more i realized that if they didn't hear the gospel they would never have a chance to be saved they can never go to heaven unless they heard the good news of jesus christ and so that gave me an interest in missions because my you know my life was before me and i was thinking you know how am i going to spend my life uh with purpose and it, and i the more i thought about it i realized it needs to be something to do with reaching people with the good news of jesus christ and i didn't know where that would be i didn't know how that would look like um, I took actually a few missions trips to Brazil, and I uh, thought for a while maybe that's where I would end up. Okay. Um, but God began uh, just directing my path. I found out about the Our Generation Training Center. It's a Bible college for missions. I started getting preparation for what I knew God was calling me to do. And uh, during that time, I met a missionary uh, to China. Uh, his name was uh, Mark, and he uh, uh, told me about China. I was kind of praying and asking the Lord, you know, where would you have me to go? I just opened my heart and said, God, I'm, I'm not going to tell you where I, I want to go. I'm going to let you direct my steps. And so when I heard about uh, what was life was like in China, um, the missionary told me about the culture there, told me about the, uh, the darkness, people in spiritual darkness, and just how it's a huge place with millions of people, uh, but how most of them had never even heard how to be saved. And that really just uh, stuck with me and just an interest was sparked in my heart uh, for China. And uh, so I had the opportunity to take a mission trip there. And I would encourage you, if you ever get a chance to take a mission trip uh, to China, uh, it would be a, a great opportunity to take advantage of. And uh, on that trip, I got to see the need firsthand. And uh, what I saw was just really eye-opening and really broke my heart. And uh, God just kept confirming in my heart that desire to uh, go to China with the gospel. And uh, for a few months later, I went on an internship there for six months and got to see God use me, got to see uh, get more knowledge of the culture, start learning a little bit of the language. And every step of the way, it's like God was confirming in my life, Canon, this is what I want you to do. This is what I am uh, calling you to do. This is how I've been equipping you over the years. I would look back and I'd realize how, wow, God, you've done things in my life to help me get to this point where you could use me uh, to take the gospel to China. Okay, awesome. Well, um, you know, some here uh, would be more familiar with your story, others not so much. Uh, if you don't mind, just to fill in the gaps for everyone, uh, if you could give a brief overview kind of of your timeline in China from uh, when you, I mean, you just mentioned your internship, but then, you know, later on uh, through language school and then what you guys are preparing to do or willing next month, that's my understanding. Yeah, so happy to share about that. So I went to China, that first missions trip I mentioned was in 2014. I was just for a week, and then uh, the next year, 2015, I went for six months. I got to spend six months in Dalian, China, which is in northeast China, uh, on an internship, and that was part of my Bible college training uh, to get a degree in missions. That was the last part of it, so I finished that up uh, in 2015. Uh, I met my wife, Nancy, prior to that. Uh, we weren't married at the time. We got engaged. I went to China for six months, and then when I came back, uh, we got married. And uh, after we got married, we started deputation right away to raise funds to go to China. And uh, that took us about two years, a little more than two years. And in 2018, uh, we landed in China. And uh, we started in Dalian, and we were there for over a year. So we were there all the way until the end of January 2019. Uh, our original plan was to stay in Dalian for two years. 
but because of some persecution, the church experience, we actually had to run from the cops and uh, get out of Dodge before the uh, police tracking us uh, kept up with us. And so uh, we had to move cities. And um, we went back to the States. Uh, we got new paperwork. Uh, we applied for new visas. And God really opened the doors. Uh, I didn't even know if it was going to be possible to get back, but God allowed us to do that. And uh, we went back to a new city, a uh, new province. Uh, it's called Jinan, China, uh, which is about uh, an hour speed train ride south of Beijing. On uh, a car, it would probably be more like six hours. Uh, but by speed train, it's about an hour. And um, we were there uh, from 2019 all the way until the beginning of 2020. And uh, originally, our plan was to go back to the States for a short furlough in spring of 2020 and uh, then come back to Jinan and start a church in May of 2020. Uh, well, COVID-19 happened and the virus started spreading. And at first it was just in China. So we thought, okay, we'll leave China. We'll go on our furlough. We'll come back to China. Everything will be okay. Uh, but then it started spreading around the world and China shut their borders down. Uh, several countries around the world just shut their borders. They said nobody allowed in. And um, so we were stuck outside of China. So we waited in the States for a few months to see what would open up. And in August of 2020, we went to Taiwan. Uh, Taiwan is Chinese speaking, and uh, so it was an opportunity uh, to work in the ministry uh, there while we waited for China to open up. And uh, we did that for six months until our visa expired uh, there in Taiwan. And uh, we went to Singapore for three months after that, hoping things in China would open up. And uh, at that point, uh, they still hadn't opened up, so we came back to the States uh, in 2021, about a month ago, uh, in April. And um, God's been good. Things in China are finally, finally starting to open back up. And uh, next month, Lord willing, uh, if all our paperwork's approved that we've applied for, uh, we'll be heading to Hong Kong. And in Hong Kong, uh, we can, uh, we have to go through quarantine. We got to go through some other COVID-related uh, things. Uh, we also have to apply for a Chinese work permit. And then if all that goes through from Hong Kong, uh, we can apply for a work visa back into China. And so uh, if everything goes as planned, uh, Lord willing, we could be back in China maybe around September or October of this year. Great. Well, that's awesome. That's really encouraging. You know, the world, as you said, so much shut down, and particularly in Asia. But that's great that you have this opportunity. It sounds like a great open door to get back into mainland China. Praise the Lord for that. Well, you covered a lot there in that. I guess you talked about spending time in China learning the language. And could you talk a little bit about that? Because I feel like for so many people, that is a big obstacle to even wanting to consider missions in China. You think, well, the writing system's so different. When I hear a Chinese person talk, it just sounds like a bunch of gibberish. How do you go from zero to being able to teach and preach in Chinese? What was that like? Was it a struggle? Were, were there some victories along the way? Kind of describe that for us. Yes, definitely. Um, you know, it was a lot of work, uh, but it was also a lot of fun. And uh, I think learning Chinese uh, was one of the funnest things um, I've gotten to do in my life um, because uh, people are so impressed. Uh, most foreigners in China, they never, ever try to speak Chinese. They only speak English and they hope the people listening understand, which most of the time they don't. And so if you try to speak Chinese, I mean, you just see people's faces light up. And uh, if you can, once I started being able to speak Chinese fairly well, I mean, you're almost like a, a, a hero or like a um, somebody that people are like, wow, this guy is like, he can actually speak our language and people like want to become your friend. They want to get to know you because like you can actually communicate with them. 
and um, it's it's a lot of work. Uh, some things were hard, uh, especially the pronunciation at the beginning. Um, but if you work at it, uh, you can get that. And I still, you know, there's still times where pronunciation slips and different things. And so that's a process. Um, but if you work at it, I had a tutor that would correct me. And so I would say it. He would tell me how to say it. And I would say it again. And finally, after, you know, hours of doing that, uh, you start to say things correctly. And so uh, that was a hurdle. Um, also, I started learning characters, uh, which is how you read and write in Chinese. They're not letters, uh, so there's like over 3,000 of them. And so that is more uh, difficult than learning an alphabet, um, but it's also a, it's a challenge, it's like a puzzle. And so you learn one, you start seeing it on all the signs, and then you learn a second one, and you start seeing that one, and slowly, uh, if you work at it over time, you can build up and be able to read and write uh, in the language. That's pretty cool. So obviously you're going to China as a missionary, but you have this period of a couple of years where you're really focused on learning the language for obvious reasons, but during that time, were you able to do any ministry? And if so, what did that look like? So yes, I was able to, uh, really exciting actually, I got to uh, meet a lot of lost people, uh, people that never heard the gospel, and um, through practicing the language actually, uh, get their contact information and invite them to go to the underground church that I was attending or an outreach event uh, the church uh, had put on to try to reach people with the gospel. And so uh, I would go up to people on the street every day. Part of my homework was I would have 10 sentences. Uh, my wife Nancy would also have 10 sentences. Our language tutor would help us write those sentences. And uh, lots of times they were just like dumb questions like, uh, I mean, in the beginning, uh, how old are you? Do you have a brother? Do you have a sister? And uh, Say say a sentence or two in Chinese for everybody. Okay. Ni几年多大? Um, uh, so that's how old are you? Well,很高兴认识你. Um, I'm very happy to meet you. Ni认识耶稣吗? Um, Do you know Jesus? Okay. Cool. So those are some kind of sentences we would use uh, to practice with people, and. Um, you know, through that you would meet people and people would be like, wow, you're trying to practice my language. Uh, they're like, can we make friends? And uh, I'll be sure. So I had WeChat, uh, which is a, like a WhatsApp that they use in China. And uh, most people I talked to, if, you know, not everybody, but every third or fourth person would be really friendly. And uh, I would add their contact information. And then next time we had, a, you know, an Easter service uh, or a Christmas activity or an English practicing corner, uh, for outreach, we would invite them. I would message them and ask them to come. And uh, you know what? God bless. Some people showed up. Uh, later on through that, uh, some people got saved. Um, even when I couldn't lead them to the Lord, I was able to connect them to people that could lead them to the Lord. And um, God used that time. That's great. That's encouraging to hear. Well, um, any any funny or interesting stories related to learning Chinese at all? Yeah, so there was uh, one time I was... Uh, talking to a uh, one of the Chinese pastors, his name was LeBron, and um, I was trying to say um, when you were at the church, like he came by the church and I wasn't there. So I tried to say when you came by the church, I wasn't there. And the correct way to say that was uh, But I added a word. I kept hearing this word "la," so I just thought I'd add it in there. And uh, so I said uh, and uh, what that means is I passed away. I, I died. I'm no longer around this world. Uh, 
so I was no longer there, but I made it in a in a different tense, which meant like I'm I'm no longer here, folks. I'm no longer here. <laughs> so he he corrected me on that, and I was like, oh, is that what I was saying? I was like, oh, okay, I won't say that again. That's a good one. Um, all right. So so what about that's kind of the language side of things, but what about the culture? Um, is I mean, are there a lot of similarities at all to American culture, or is it just that different? Uh, anything surprising or challenging about learning the culture there in China? Yeah, so it's very different. Uh, a lot of things are very different. I mean, there's some similarities, uh, but I noticed very quickly uh, that I was in a place that was different than anywhere you know I'd ever been before. And not different in a bad way, just different in a uh, it's a different culture, people's, the way they think, the way things work, uh, the way their economy works, the way their, uh, you know, everything works in people's lives is just uh, very different. And so uh, it was a challenge adapting to culture. One thing that uh, I had to learn from the very beginning is if somebody invites you to go over to their house, uh, you need to bring a gift, um, some sort of fruit, uh, something that uh, you can give to them. And uh, so I was warned uh, by uh, missionary friends, to, and they told me, okay, you're going over to this person's house, uh, you need to bring a gift. Or we went out to a village to go visit uh, Pastor LeBron's uh, family in a village, and they're like, you need to go with uh, some gifts. And uh, that was different. Um, and uh, so I had to, th those kind of things that you, you learn uh, about how, how things work. Another thing that was really different for me uh, is, you know, if, in America, most of the time, if, if I say, you know, I'll, hey, hey, man, I'll, I'll buy your lunch today. You know, most people are like, oh, wow, thank you. Uh, but in China, you have to fight, literally fight, argue over who's going to pay every single time. And so whether, um, you know, you have to make sure you have money to pay for whatever meal you're going to eat with somebody just in case you win that argument because you really got to try to win it or you're root. And so it's, I'll pay, and the other person says, no, I'll pay. And then you say, no, I'll pay. And then actually you, you even end up like, kind of like pushing people back and like trying to position yourself in front of the counter to, yeah. to pay the meal. And that's Snatching all. the tab. And yeah. And so I, I learned something. It was pretty cool. There, we had some friends over and we were trying to witness to for hot pot, which is a Chinese meal. It's, and um, I got up and, you know, acted like I needed to go use the bathroom. And I went up to the counter and, and paid without them noticing. Yeah. And uh, they were so impressed. They're like, wow, that's so Chinese of you to do that. Um, so uh, those are things that you had to learn and it was very different. And so um, still a lot of things as I learn more about the culture, I'm still learning things that help me realize how different things are, um, but how much uh, you know, we need to adapt to the culture to be able to communicate to them the gospel without uh, causing roadblocks that don't have to be there if we understood uh, more of their culture and um, how to communicate to them. Awesome. Um, all right, so I've got to ask, and you, you mentioned this earlier, and I almost asked them, but I decided to wait a bit. We'll, we'll touch on this now. You mentioned something about, I think you said, running from the police. Um, and when we talk about China missions, um, persecution, uh, this topic of persecution oftentimes comes up. Um, have Well, you've obviously encountered persecution. I would say running from the police kind of falls under that category. But how did the Lord help you through it? Uh, kind of, you know, just summarize the circumstances and, and just share a little bit about that. And if there were any other instances as well. Yeah, so there was uh, the first time anything happened. We first got to China. We were working with another missionary family. We were working in an underground church. And uh, at first there was, you know, they had experienced actually persecution before. That church had before we got there, uh, a couple years before. 
And uh, we got there, and um, you know things were just normal. Like it felt like okay, and you know Sunday services we we're going to be to church. You know everybody comes, the church is is growing, God's working, and everything just felt kind of normal. You didn't really think about persecution. You didn't really you knew it's a thing, but you didn't think okay it's going to happen to us. Uh, but there was one day my wife was doing language school at the church. Uh, when I say the church, it's like the office space the church rented for. Uh, it's you know services uh, it doesn't look like a church uh, there's no sign out front so it's just like an office empty room kind of like the room we're in right now um, just an empty uh, you know room with some chairs but um, uh, the police actually came by while she was doing language school uh, her and another uh, lady learning Chinese were doing language school they had their tutors and um, you know the police said they were there to do a regular inspection of the building and um, you know, I don't know if they were or not. Uh, later on, I found out maybe they, we were the only ones they checked out. Um, but anyways, when that happened, uh, we kind of came up with a plan. And that Sunday, we met not at that building, but we met at two different people's homes, split the church in two different groups, and then met at two different people's homes. And so uh, that was kind of our first encounter. And so when things really went down, uh, we kind of were, were prepared in a sense. We knew, okay, if this happens... You know, we can't stop assembling ourselves together. You know, as a church, we can't we can't stop meeting. We can't stop having church. We can't say, okay, the police are going to come, so we're just going to give up on this whole idea of having a church because uh, yeah. that wouldn't be biblical. Uh, but what we can do is we can find other ways to make it work. We don't have to meet at the place they're going to investigate, you know. And so um, in January of 2019, uh, the police called one of the Chinese pastors. They told him they wanted to investigate uh, illegal activity going on at the place where the church was meeting. Uh, they thought he was on their side because he was the like the landlord, the person that signed the rent rental contract. Uh, he was on our side, uh, thankfully, and so he was telling us what was going on. So we moved. We moved to a, um, a lady's house for a Wednesday night service. Uh, we moved to a restaurant for Sunday morning service, and um, so that w- that worked out really well. And uh, the church after you know. When all this went down, they kept meeting in different places till they finally moved to somebody else's house. And so that was one way that was helpful and, you know, kind of like the Lord gave us that uh, first trial run to kind of help prepare us. Okay, when this happens, you kind of know what to do. Uh, But during that time, the Chinese pastor of the church we were working in, he got arrested by the police. So Sunday morning, we had service at the restaurant. Uh, 2 p.m. that afternoon, the police uh, knocked on his door and told him, come with me. And uh, they took his phone. They took him to the police station. And, um, you know, they started uh, later on, found out they asked him a bunch of questions. There was somebody in the church that, you know, had visited the church that actually turned us in. And uh, so we, we realized who that was. And that guy was also at the police station. And there was all kinds of questions being asked to Pastor Charles and at one point, uh, the police took his phone, and uh, we had some like outreach uh, WeChat groups uh, where we would say, okay, there's an English activity, whoever wants to come. And the police officers actually using his phone were typing emojis into the group. Uh, we, we found this out later. but And so pe- they're trying to see, all right, who's going to respond and say something in the group? Uh, and then, uh, but anyways, they found my contact information through that. And in China, because of the... Um, way they make foreigners register. If you're a foreigner, you have to register with the police anytime you rent a place to live. You have to give them your phone number, your address, why you're there, your visa, your passport, and uh, that's normal. So they have all our information. Uh, So once that happened, uh, we started getting phone calls from the police, 
and uh, we started getting our landlord was contacted asking us to um, you know go to the police station for them to investigate us and so we knew that we were uh, in a sense compromised we knew the police were looking for us they wanted us to uh, go to the police station and they wanted to deport us from the country and so we had two choices we could have um, stayed there, gone to the police station, and just seen what would have happened. Uh, but from past experiences, we've heard from other missionaries, uh, there's a 99% chance they would then kick us out and ban us from ever coming back into uh, China. And so we wanted a second chance. We thought, well, God's given us, you know, an opportunity to try to get out of Dodge. Uh, let's take it, and let's see if maybe God will open the door for us to come back to China. And uh, he did. Uh, we, we, we drove to the next city. Uh, we got on a last-minute flight. Uh, we flew uh, to another city, uh, which is actually where we ended up after all this happened, the uh, city of Jinan. We were a layover in the airport for 12 hours. Uh, if you ever come visit us in China, I can show you where we sat, that coffee shop we were at for 12 hours. And uh, we were nervous. We didn't yeah, know. You showed that place to me. Yeah, I did. You saw it. Yeah, it's, it's the only place, or there's two places open 24 hours at that airport, so it's one of them. So we don't have many choices. Uh, but we were there, and... Um, you know, God was good. We got through security, going out, flying out to South Korea, and there was no issues. We thought there was going to be a block or they were going to pull us aside or our passport was going to come up, uh, but nothing did. And we got out. We went back to the States. We got new passports, new visas. Uh, we went back to a new city, that city where we laid over at the airport, and uh, God bless. We got new visas. We got everything uh, situated to set up again in that new city uh, without any interference from the police. And so uh, God was good through it all. I think one thing that helped me during that time uh, in the Bible, in 1 John, it talks about how there's no fear in love. And uh, that really, uh, when, I, when I thought about that verse, I was meditating on that verse, you know, if we know that God loves us, we know that he's going to do what's best for us. And uh, when I was going through that gate of security, I'm like, if they take us aside to prison or more interrogation or they kick us out of China, then God has a plan for that. You know, he's not going to do something that is like, oh, it's not like God's going to say, oh, wow, this surprised me. Uh, too bad. I'm sorry I let you down. Like, God's not going to do that. He, he, he is in charge. He can work things out. And so he's going to allow these things to happen uh, to further our spiritual growth and also to further uh, the advance of his kingdom uh, and for more glory to be given to him. And so uh, that verse helped me because I realized I don't have to fear. If I get through and nothing happens, praise the Lord. But if I don't, it doesn't mean God stopped loving me. It's, it doesn't mean that God stopped doing what was best for us. It just means that what uh, maybe I want to happen and what God knows is best for us is different. And so uh, that was one way the Lord really, really helped us during that time. Amen. That's a powerful story. Thank you for sharing that. Um, all right. So you're gearing up to head back. Uh, as you said a bit ago, your Lord willing, will be in Hong Kong here in the next month or so. And then in the next few months, uh, Lord willing, be getting into mainland China. So as you gear up to do that, what would your plans be for, you know, say the next four years, five years? Uh, what do you think those will look like? What, what would your plans be for that kind of midterm time right. frame? So God's bless. We've, you know, I feel comfortable enough in the language now to preach. I, I actually do preach uh, through different ways uh, in Chinese uh, currently. And so I feel like when we get back, uh, first thing we'll do is try to work on our first church plan. And so 
there's some, a lot of contacts we actually still have in the city where we, uh, Jinan, where we did our second year of language school. Uh, people we witnessed to, uh, a young man I led to the Lord and uh, dis- am discipling, uh, even now sending him my devotions and stuff. And so uh, I'm hoping and praying that God will allow us from those contacts to have a small group. Um, it might just be one or two people, um, but praying that from that uh, we could start having services and then we could start uh, reaching out to people. In the beginning, it's going to be a lot of uh, walking around, uh, going to a park, going to a basketball court, going to a, uh, a mall, and just trying to meet people. And uh, in China, because you're a foreigner, as a missionary, I'm a foreigner, and so uh, a lot of people are interested in uh, talking to me. And so they want to make friends. They want to learn about what you know a foreign culture. They want to ask you questions and. And so you very easily have the opportunity to meet people. And then from that, you share the gospel with those people you meet. And then from that, if they show any interest, you try to study the Bible with them. And then from that, if they're, you know, somewhat still interested, uh, you try to get them uh, to start coming to church services and such. And and praying the whole time that the Lord will work and that they'll get saved uh, during that time. And uh, so that's our, you know, initial, uh, you know, first few months is going to be heavy into really hitting the streets and trying to meet people and trying to work with the contacts we do have and trying to see if the Lord would uh, bless and that we could get a, a core group started uh, for a church plant. And then from that, uh, discipling people. Uh, one thing about China that I always have to keep in the back of my mind is I could be gone at any time. Hmm. Um, and so I have to make a priority to be training people. Uh, training people how to win, win people to Christ, training people how to disciple others, and uh, praying the Lord will call men into the ministry that I could train uh, to pastor and start more churches. And so, you know, I know at the beginning it's going to be a lot of sowing. It's going to be a lot of uh, just trying to reach those first few people, um, but praying that God would give some fruit and that we could really start training people uh, to do the work of the ministry so that uh, not just one church, uh, but that... Um, in the future, uh, many churches can be started uh, in Jinan, China. Great. Um, very cool. Um, well, what would you say, kind of shifting gears a bit, what would you say is one of the hardest parts or most challenging parts about missions in China? And then on the flip side, what would you say is one of the most enjoyable parts about missions in China? Yeah, so I, I think the hardest part about uh, missions in China is there's like a, I think you deal with fear a lot. And not always fear, but sometimes uncertainty. You know, how, how bold do I be? How, how do I try this activity? Do I try, uh, you know, can I trust this person? And all these weird thoughts will just go through your head. And um, there will be lots of, if you get to know any other foreigners or any other Christians in, in, the, in China, there'll be a lot of rumors. And uh, most of them are not true, but there'll be a lot of rumors. Like, if you do this, then the police will catch you and you'll go to jail. If you do this, uh, you can't do that because it'll be, you know, the police are, you know, if you have Wi-Fi in your house, the police are going to be spying on everything that you goes on in your house. And so there's all these kind of like rumors and things that are going around and you just have to really sift through it and say, okay, what am I here for? And I can't let any kind of fear keep me from doing the job that God has me here for. And you really have to get a biblical mindset every morning. And I would say that's probably the, 
the hardest challenge is really uh, watching what your thoughts go through and not just you know my thoughts but also you know Nancy has that same challenge with with my wife with her thoughts and you know some things I'll worry about more some things she'll worry about more and so just working together to keep our minds focused on truth I really think is the is the hardest part and not being afraid um, but yet being wise in all of that to do the work that God has for us. Um, what do I enjoy the most? Uh, I mean, the thing I enjoy the most is telling somebody that's never heard anything about Jesus uh, about who he is and about how they can be saved. I mean, it's it's really pretty awesome when you, you start talking to somebody and uh, you're like, wow, they don't know anything. You're like, they've never heard any of this. And uh, so you start from the beginning, you go through all the different terms the Bible uses, you explain it all, but really just, just seeing uh, people get to hear the gospel uh, and seeing God use you to be the messenger that takes the gospel to them for the first time uh, is really uh, probably the most enjoyable part. Okay, that's great. Um, all right, one last question before we kind of open up to everyone here, uh, open up the floor for questions. Um, you've talked a little about the next few years uh, in China, but what would be your long-term goals for ministry there? Uh, what dreams do you have? What would you like to do? You know, should the Lord give you uh, 20, 30, 40 years in China, what would you hope to, to see the Lord do in that time? You know, that's a, that's a good question. I, I really dream for China that there would be lots of churches started. I know that's just, you know, everybody wants to see lots of churches started. But I really, you know, I meet so many Christians in China that get saved. Uh, maybe they get saved through somebody I know or, uh, you know, and I, I see them and they move to a different city for work. And I see this happen all the time. And in their new city, there's no church. Hmm. Or maybe there is a church, but they have no way to find out about it because uh, they're all underground uh, if there are churches, and the chance of them finding even a gospel-preaching church is very, very slim. Uh, but not just a church that preaches the gospel. Finding a church that is a healthy biblical church is even more slim. I mean, there's all kinds of, um, you know, a lot of a lot of wrong doctrine and um, maybe, you know, just things the Bible would not uh, be for, such as like women preachers and um, a lot of, uh, emotionalism and different things that go on in these house churches sometimes and so the, the chance of somebody finding a really a, a healthy church where they can grow and really learn how to serve the Lord is just so slim chance and so my desire would be my dream would be uh, God would allow me to train men uh, that could go out and start healthy churches that are preaching the Bible and helping people grow in the Lord and uh, another dream of mine would be that these churches could become self-supporting uh, because it's really difficult. Um, I, I don't know why, and I, I shouldn't doubt that God can do it. I know God can do it, but it seems like with persecution and fear, there seems to be, um, it seems really hard for the Chinese pastors I know to be financially stable just from the offerings of the church. Um, and uh, it doesn't have to be that way. Hmm. And so I'm, I'm praying that God will um, just really bless and really, uh, there would be many churches started. There would be, you know, the province uh, where I will be living, Lord willing, um, it has about 160 different districts. So every city is divided into districts. Uh, a district is going to be, you know, maybe about 500,000 people. 
I mean, every district's different. Um, but I think it'd be really cool. A dream of mine would be that in each district in that province, uh, there could be, so, uh, you know, somebody, uh, a man that is trained that is uh, preaching the gospel and trying to start a church. So that if anybody I know moves to anywhere in that province, there's at least a church in their district. That doesn't even mean it's, it's going to be close. It still might be an hour public transportation for them to get there. But at yeah. least there would be a, something there that they could go to and grow in. Um, here's one surprise question, and then we'll get to the um, get to open up the floor. I just thought of this, just to give some perspective. Um, talk a little bit about the size of Jinan, and then the entire province, as far as like numbers and and things like that, just briefly. Okay, yeah. So Jinan is a city of eight million people, and uh, in China, cities are almost like your uh, in a sense, almost like your county, so you have a province, and then you go down to a city. And so a city isn't just the, uh, you know, all the high sky-rise downtown area. A city is all the surrounding area that goes under that city's governing jurisdiction. And so a city will have villages. Um, so that's that's a little bit different. But it's the way they d- divide it. So you have province is the big, the big thing, like a state, but because China's more people, they're always usually populated way more than any, you know, states in the U.S. And then you go down to city. And so Jinan has 8 million, of that maybe 4 million live in like the metro area, and then the rest are scattered in the countryside around. So to get from one end of Jinan to the other, uh, you know, it could be a two, two hour trip or an hour and a half trip. So it's, it's a big area. Um, but 8 million people is a lot of people. The state of Georgia, where I grew up, uh, has a population of about 10 million people. Uh, and way more land uh, than Gina would have. Think about Georgia, it's about a you know, five hour drive from bottom to top and uh, about two hours across. And so uh, eight million is a pretty good amount of people for the area, but that's just one city uh, in this province. And this province would have, every city would be similar. Some cities have 10 million under their jurisdiction. Uh, some have like, I think the smallest is like 2 million. Uh, I mean, that's still a lot of people though. I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's not a small city. Uh, but in China terms, it would be a small city. So when you add it all up, it's about 100 million people that live just in this province. Uh, in this province, uh, land area wise, um, I don't know exactly, but I think maybe about twice the size of Georgia, something like that. And you have um, 100 million people. Uh, so if you wow. think about it, if you took... Let's just say Georgia, Alabama, and Florida, and you put one third of the whole U.S. population in just those three states is what it would be the equivalent of. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's really helpful with perspective. Thank you for that. All right. Well, um, we'll go ahead and open up the floor. If anyone has a question, just kind of raise your hand, and Cannon can call you. Um, any questions for him related to China or uh, some specific thing about language or culture or ministry, anything like that? So there's a lot of cities um, on the eastern side of China, a lot of big ones, but towards the middle and the west, there isn't as many. Uh, do y'all know of any missionaries or, you know, what, what? as far as the gospel, is there any people out there trying to spread it? Yeah, very good question. So uh, one reason for the population the way it is, is Western China. It's almost like uh, if you think about the uh, Mount Everest, like that mountain range, like Tibet, um, a lot of that land in Western China is like at super high altitude. And uh, a lot of it's actually more like desert-like. And so that's why there's less people out there. Um, but a, still a huge need for the gospel. 
I've heard of a missionary from the Philippines uh, to the province of Qinghai. I don't know if he's there, uh, but I've heard of him. Uh, that's a western province in China. Um, that's the only one I've heard of personally, um, as far as I know, but I really have no idea. Um, I would venture to say probably way less than the east part of China. Uh, typically, uh, China, the, so the southern part, um, maybe around uh, Hong Kong, if that kind of area, that southern part of China would be the most evangelized. You know, it's not very evangelized, but comparatively. Uh, and then the further north you go, like the northeast, would be not as much, and then west would be very, very scarce. Uh, so that's kind of what I've learned and um, still trying to learn more about that, but yes. Got a question in the back here? Uh, yes, uh, in China. Um, do you have enough missionaries in China? And what would you say to people who were praying about whether they should be missionaries in China? So no, there's, there's not even close to enough missionaries uh, to China. Um, there's over a hundred cities with a, over a million people in them in China and um, I guarantee you that you know one missionary in a city of a million people I mean we all have big dreams but let's be honest one person in a city of one million um, they're not gonna be able to reach all one million with the gospel and so how many think about this how many missionaries would it take to reach a million people and uh, let's just throw out a number let's say you know a hundred I mean, I don't know if that's a good good number. We'll just throw it out there. Uh, so then you would need a hundred times a hundred just to hit all the major cities. That's not including the you know the the sparsely populated areas, and uh, you know then you're at like ten thousand missionaries. And so there's definitely a huge need uh, for missionaries to go to China. Uh, how would I encourage somebody that's uh, you know considering missions in China? I would encourage you this way. I would encourage you not to let. Um, persecution influence your decision uh, so a lot of people think okay China's close country okay I'm not interested um, and you know it is less opportunities to be open with the gospel in the sense of you can't have a church sign you can't have uh, tracks uh, that you just pass out like crazy like candy in a market um, but there's a lot of opportunities to preach the gospel in China and so I would encourage you to uh, you know, the Bible tells us uh, all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Uh, so it's going to come to you if you live godly in Christ Jesus. Whether you're in America or you're in China or you're in, uh, you know, Africa, you're in South America, it's going to come if you live godly in Christ Jesus. And so don't let uh, that influence your decision. That would be one thing I would say. And then two, I would ask you to uh, ask God and be honest with God and say, God, would this be something you would have me to do? And uh, not say, oh, I don't like this, or I'm close to this. Um, you know, that's what somebody challenged me with. I, I really kind of had my heart set for a while on being a missionary to Brazil. And a good friend of mine, he challenged me. He said, Cannon, don't tell God what you're going to do. He said, let God tell you what he wants you to do. And I, I really think that's uh, really true. I mean, God is God. We are his creatures. So we shouldn't be the ones making the rules and telling God what we're going to do. We should be open to what God would have us to do. And so... Uh, I would have an open mind to say, okay, God, I'm willing, if this is where you'd have me to go, uh, would you, I, I'm open and willing to do that. And so that's what I would uh, challenge you with. Don't say, oh, I'm not going there just because it's, you know, it's not for me. Uh, but say, you know, unless God's already uh, clearly directed your path otherwise and uh, clearly giving you a uh, direction he wants you to be working towards, 
I would say uh, to the Lord and say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm open for what you would have me to do. And uh, would this be somewhere you would have me to do? And actually pray about it and say, God, would China be somewhere you would have me uh, to go one day? And so that would be my encouragement. Any other questions? When sharing the gospel with a Chinese person, do you usually start with creation? Or do you ask them, do you know who Jesus is? Or how do you usually start off that conversation? Uh, my first question, I know lots of times uh, when I share the gospel with people in America, kind of that just starting the conversation towards spiritual things is kind of the hardest part. You know, let's stop talking about the weather, politics, and let's talk about, you know, what kind of religion do you have? You know, that's kind of awkward sometimes we feel like. And so getting, finding good questions to kind of get to that sometimes is very helpful. Uh, in China, the question I always use is, do you have any religion? And uh, it just kind of helps me see where they're at. Uh, you know, and most of the time the answer is no. Uh, I don't have any kind of religion. And then what I do is I'll share my testimony and uh, I'll share how I realized that I, there, what, there is a God. So I do start at creation, but I kind of open the topic by sharing my testimony. I said I grew up and I didn't care much about God, but uh, as a teenager I realized, okay, God really is real. There really is a God. And uh, I've sinned against God. And so I need uh, my sin uh, to be forgiven so that I can be with God in heaven. So I go through and I kind of go through the gospel like that. And uh, that's usually the way I initially, uh, you know, go through it. Just if I'm sharing the gospel with somebody for, say, you know, I have 20 minutes to try to talk to them and share the gospel with them. Um, if somebody will agree, if they show interest and they'll say, I'll sit down and study the Bible with you, um, where I start usually is what is the Bible? Um, because, you know, they, people in China, they have no idea what the Bible is. They have no idea that we claim the Bible is God's Word. And they just think of it as another mythical book. And so uh, it's pretty direct, and it's a good starting point to say, okay, this is we're saying this is God's Word. Uh, and in that, I'll usually talk about, well, what is the good news of the Bible? Well, the good news is that, uh, the Bible starts with bad news, which is that man fell, but God cre- first God created us, then man fell uh, into sin, and uh, the world isn't in sin, but Jesus is the Savior. He's the, the answer for that sin problem. And so that's usually how I will go into it. Uh, it's usually very easy to get the conversation started because uh, usually you ask them, do you have a religion? They say no, and then you just start to tell them, well, I do. They're like, oh, that's interesting. I was like, usually they'll say, oh, that's actually a good thing to have a religion. Uh, and it's only a good thing if you have the right, you know, religion, the right truth. Uh, but it, you know, people are open to talking about it. Good question. Anybody else? You said you're going to start a church. What will those services look like? Um, you said you can't put up a sign. So how does, what does church look like in China? So we will probably uh, rent a an apartment where somebody uh, would be like a residential apartment. Um, that would be uh, my plan from day one. Um, and so the first thing would be to have somebody uh, that we could, you know, trust that would live there, and uh, that would be the place where we would meet. And so maybe rent maybe a bigger apartment. Uh, maybe there's a college student, somebody we could, you know, that would live there. And uh, they would have their own bedroom and everything, uh, but have a main living room. And uh, that would be what we would use uh, for services. And so it wouldn't have to be that big, but maybe set up, uh, you know, have the ability to set up 20 uh, to 30 chairs. Um, because we're not advertising this on like a website or passing out tracks, we would usually probably know every time who's going to be there, you know, who says they're going to come. 
So we'd be inviting people by, you know, messaging them and saying, this Sunday there's, you know, we're having church. Would you be able to come? And so we would probably have a good idea who's coming each Sunday. And so whoever's going to come set out enough chairs uh, for th- them. And um, I'm not very musical. And so until we can get people that can sing, uh, my wife can play a little bit of the piano. Neither of us can sing well at all. Uh, so we'll probably do a little bit of music, maybe use some recordings and sing along with those and uh, try to learn a song together. Um, so at the beginning, we probably won't have much music, um, but we pray that God gives us some people that can help us with that. Um, uh, but that would be the start. I would probably am going to do some simple stuff like let's just open the Bible, learn the books of the Bible. Let's do a memory verse. Uh, let's, uh, you know, let's have an offering. So let's talk about what is giving uh, and then let's talk about what is the Bible. Uh, let's let's talk about uh, and then have a short message and so it might be a lot of different little things to kind of help them learn uh, more about uh, the Bible so that would be uh, what I would envision for starting off uh, in our first few services question in the back Uh, so could you both say one Bible verse and how easy is it to smuggle Bibles into China so it's easy to get a hold of Bibles I will say Romans 5.8 uh, Alright. So those are two Bible verses in Chinese. Um, Getting Bibles into China, uh, you, you don't have to smuggle them in. Uh, there are places you can buy Bibles in China. Uh, now, it's uh, not as easy as it is in America. In America, you go to Amazon, you go to Walmart. I mean, you can buy a Bible uh, pretty much any bookstore, you know, uh, lots of different places. There are places you can get a Bible. Uh, in China, it's not uh, as much that way. Uh, so. In the past, about two years ago, you could buy them online, uh, and uh, but then the Chinese government said, no, we're going to stop that. And so now you still can buy them online, uh, but they might be advertised on like the Chinese equivalent of Amazon as a Bible cover. And so if you see a Bible cover for like $30, uh, it should be about a dollar, but if it's for $30, it's not really a Bible cover, it's a, it's a Bible. Uh, so that's there. And... Um, there's also people uh, actually at the government churches, even though I wouldn't, you know, agree with what they teach or how regulated there are. Uh, they do have Bibles for sale, and uh, um, I've bought a Bible um, from there before. And then people, there's people with contacts that know the printers, and so we actually before in China we bought several hundred Bibles at one time uh, through you know a contact of a contact of a contact, and it's you know technically illegal, but if I mean if you you can get away with buying Bibles. I mean, that's awesome. So uh, uh, that's what we've done before. So uh, you can get them. So could the Chinese government use those Bible sales as a way to track the Christians um, that are known in the country? Okay, yeah. So the question is, could the Chinese government use Bible sales to track Christians in the country? Uh, They could. Um, When I went to the government church and bought a Bible, I mean, that was not trackable. I just paid with cash, and they didn't even ask who I was or my name or phone number or anything. Um, if you buy something, you know, online, I guess they I mean, they could track that if they want to. It's not, it's not something they, 
yet. Now it could go, it could get worse, but right now it's not something that's really a, a big deal. Um, you know, when you do deals like we bought those hundreds of Bibles, that might be a little more risky. Uh, but I mean, we were just you know, individual to individual, paying them individually, and so um, that shouldn't really be an issue. But in the future, they could uh, make that a big deal. Okay, maybe two more questions from the floor, and then uh, I've got a couple more questions here. Anybody have a question? All right, Brendan has a question in the back. How big of a factor is fear in missions work, and how would you advise missionaries to conquer this fear in regards to China? I think fear is a real issue uh, in missions in China, and... I think it hinders a lot of people. I've met a lot of people in China that, um, you know, want to be involved in reaching people with the gospel. Uh, I've met people that have been to China on mission trips, and they want to reach people with the gospel. Uh, but it's almost like the fear gets to the point where you're almost like getting caught preaching or getting caught sharing the gospel is worse of a thing than nobody hearing the gospel. And that's not the way it should be. So if, if it ever gets to a point where you're, you're thinking, okay, me getting caught doing this is not worth somebody hearing the gospel, then you've, you've let fear take you down the wrong track. Uh, because um, in the Bible, you know, what was important was people hearing the gospel regardless of the persecution. And um, the Bible, you read, I mean, you read about Paul, you read about Peter, you read about uh, the book of Acts. I mean, it's pretty hard to come up with it I mean, they were beaten, and they said, you know, we got to obey God rather than obey men. And so if people come and, and catch us for sharing the gospel, that's a normal thing according to the New Testament. And so uh, when it comes to fear, you cannot let fear keep you from sharing the gospel and keep you from doing the work that you're there to do. I mean, think about how sad it would be is to be in China. Somehow the Lord gives you an opportunity to be in China for 10 years. And you're able to stay in China for 10 years. And because of fear, maybe you finally, after 10 years, you share the gospel with one person that you've built a friendship with, a quote friendship with, and then you finally get them the gospel. You know, you could do that in two days. You know, so... It, the effectiveness of your ministry shouldn't be based on me being able to stay there the longest amount of time. It should be on, am I able to get people the gospel on a regular basis? Um, and so I think that's the mindset you have to have. Now, there's ways you can be wise. Or, I mean, obviously, I'm not volunteering to go to the police station and, and try to win them to Christ at the police station. Uh, so there's, there's different ways uh, you can... Uh, uh, do that, um, but you can never let the fear keep you from doing what you're there to do. Excellent. Uh, maybe one more question from the floor. Typically, how do people perceive Christianity in general? Have they heard about it? Uh, how do they perceive Christians? How do they perceive Americans? Um, what What's their kind of slant for or against that? Uh, I think they're the usual perception of Christianity is is not a necessarily a negative perception. Uh, it's usually a unbiased uh, perception. So they know Christianity is a religion uh, and they think of it just as, you know, any religion in the world. So they just think of it as 
another one of religions and they would think oh it's most people it's kind of weird they're like i don't have a religion but it'd be good if i had a religion because when i die you know it's kind of scary so uh you know it'd be good if i had something to rely on to get me through the hard times but that's that's the average person and that's that's what they say but they're like i don't have one but if, if you have one it's a good thing um so that would be kind of the average perception towards christianity towards americans uh, that's usually changing based on the latest political uh, thing. And so I've had, you know, I, I think recently it, it's probably not going to be as good. But in the first part of being in China, it was uh, maybe a little bit uh, better. But the people in China, the average person, they are not like the, uh, oh, communists all the way, we hate everybody else. I mean, that's not their mindset. Their mindset is usually very friendly. Oh, wow, this is a new person from a new culture I'd like to get to know him and so usually there's a good reception um now i have ran into people that are antagonistic against americans um you know i've heard different things people say and you just kind of got to let it roll off your roll off your back and just not pay any attention but that's that's kind of the general uh, perception okay yeah thank you for that all right um so a couple of final questions uh from me here uh, the first one being, so we as the Vision for China team uh, have recently begun praying very specifically for the Lord to raise up more missionaries to head to China. Uh, Canon, if you would, uh, could you tell everyone a bit about that prayer and why we're praying it? Yeah, so we're praying uh, by next year. Uh, currently, our Vision for China team has eight people um, either on the field uh, or working to get to the field in China and Taiwan. And uh, we're praying that God would add to that seven more people, uh, specifically five people that would be starting uh, to train for missions and uh, two that would uh, either begin raising support or begin uh, raising support for an internship uh, to go uh, with the end goal of being to go to China or Taiwan with the gospel. And so uh, we're praying that God would allow that to happen by next year. And so be praying with us. Uh, it's a big prayer request. Um, but I read the Bible, and Jesus tells us, uh, pray therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. And, um, you know, many times I'm like, man, it would be great if more people would go to China. It would be great if more people would uh, surrender to get the gospel. Many times I find myself not really uh, praying for that. I want it to happen, but I'm not praying for that. So I, I've been convicted more about prayer recently, and I want to specifically pray that God would do a work. Because at the end of the day, God calling anybody to go uh, to any place to do his work is a work he has to do. I cannot call anybody to go to China. Uh, I cannot call anybody to go anywhere. Uh, but God can't. And so we need to ask God to do his work. Amen. Yeah, we'll definitely be praying for that. I am praying for that and uh, invite everyone else to join us in praying for that. Two uh, missionaries to start out with their support raising by the uh, end of the year and then five more that would be uh, very much interested in either China or Taiwan by the same time. Please join us in praying for that. Okay, final question. Canon, if you could sit down with a young person, particularly a young man who is considering serving uh, the Lord with their life in China, what would you say to him? How would you encourage him? I would say don't let don't let this world uh, keep you from the dream that God is putting in your heart. So it's so easy. I see so many people, they, they, they have this idea, okay, I want to do something for God. But then whether it's a, it's a girlfriend or it's uh, buying a house or it's, uh, you know, well, first let me go get a, a you know, this, this college degree or this master's degree just in case 
I see so many people that um, just get distracted from that and they never end up doing uh, what God has put in their heart. And so what I would say is, you know, you have a choice. If God's dealing with you, if God's, you really feel like God's working your heart saying, I want to do this. I want to go to China. I want to be a missionary. I would say, don't let things get in the way. And today, start putting feet uh, to that calling or feet to that desire and start making the steps necessary to get you there. Uh, a lot good. of people say, you know, I, w- I would love to be a missionary to China. I really actually feel God working my heart to do that. Um, but in a couple years, you know, after I, you know, work and get kind of established financially and all this, then um, I will, you know, at that point, we'll, I'll start doing this. And, um, you know, I you just, it's it, it might happen, but most of the time, if you get away from it and you let other things come first, you usually never end up getting to the goal. And so if God's put a dream in your heart, it's worth it. It's worth it to get to do uh, what God is calling you to do because there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Um, you know, I love what I do. I'm excited about it, and it's something that I just super much enjoy. And I just think back to times, you know, throughout my life as God was working in my heart. There was times where I almost just really got off track from uh, fulfilling this desire that God's put in my heart. And so I would say, don't let things get you off track. Make some decisions and put feet to those decisions. Make some commitments and start making the steps necessary uh, to get to the point uh, where God uh, is calling you. Amen. Well, Cannon, thank you so much uh, for your time and willingness to do this interview. Um, One final thing, if uh, anyone here or anyone listening into the podcast later on would like to maybe learn more about your ministry or reach out to you maybe with questions or just to uh, to stay in touch what would be the best way for them to do that uh, the best way would be through email because uh, uh, my phone number always changes <laughs> so uh-huh. email would be the best uh, you could email me at k-a-n-o-n-b-l-o-o-m at icloud.com that's k-a-n-o-n-b-l-o-o-m at icloud.com all right. Well, great. Well, guys, let's give it up for Cannon. Well, this concludes today's episode of the A Thousand Lives broadcast. Be sure to tune in to next week's episode for an exciting story from the life of Griffith John, the Spurgeon of China. You guys may remember hearing about his preaching a few weeks back, and we'll get into another fascinating story from his life in the next episode. I would encourage you all to keep Cannon and his wife in your prayers as they gear up to head back to China these next few months. Please pray that the Lord would give them a smooth transition back in and help them hit the ground running with ministry once they get there. Thank you again for listening to the A Thousand Lives broadcast. This has been Austin, your host and missionary to China with Vision Baptist Missions and the Vision for China team. For more information about Vision Baptist Missions, the Vision for China team, and how to take the first step on your path to making Jesus famous in China, head on over to visionforchina.org, V-I-S-I-O-N-F-O-R-C-H-I-N-A dot O-R-G. There you'll find a slew of resources to aid you in both sharing the gospel with Chinese friends as well as encouraging others to give their lives to making Jesus known in China. Well, until next time, 再见。